The Nerdalogs is a Chicago-based sketch group that writes comedy based on shared true, personal stories about our existence as lifelong nerds. We started your stories to give everyone a chance to do what we do, share their own stories, and foster a more heartfelt, welcoming nerd community. Your Stories is about embracing the weird and obscure in your life and asserting your geekdom with a group that gets your references. And, most importantly, Your Stories is a place to bring people up, not to put anyone down. Try to keep your stories around five minutes, laugh at jokes, cry if appropriate, and applaud everyone who has the guts to sit here, tell a story, and come out as a nerd. Hi folks, and a special hello to anyone just joining us who caught us at the New York Comic Con or the New York Sketch Fest. My name is Eric Arnault, and you're listening to part two of the Nerdalogs Present, Your Stories October podcast. The stories you'll hear this month are all about the theme of coming home, and whatever that means to our speakers. Uh, this episode, enjoy tales from DePaul DJ Shelby Mongan, writer and violist Sarah Schieber, podcaster Sawyer Heppies, and Nerdalogs members Kevin Reeder, Steve Persh, and, joining us remotely, Caitlin Costello. You'll also hear, of course, music from myself and Dwight Hassler. Alright guys, uh, this is a pretty exciting month for us here at the Nerdalogs. This Friday, October 19th, marks the first of our monthly shows at Chicago's legendary I.O. Theater. Uh, the third Friday of every month at midnight, we will be bringing you an entirely new hour of sketch comedy, music, and audience interaction. We are all really excited about this, and we've got some truly special stuff lined up for our first show. So, if you're in Chicago, we hope you can come check us out. Uh, again, that's I.O., third Friday of every month at midnight. Tickets are just $5. Also, our next Your Stories recording is this Sunday, October 21st. As usual, we're doing it at Chicago's Upstairs Gallery, 5219 North Clark Street, at 7 o'clock. The theme this month is sports, whatever that makes you think of. Uh, recording starts at 7 again, and it is totally free to attend. So please come share with us. Uh, finally, thank you guys so much for listening to the show. Uh, if you like it, you can donate some money to us via PayPal. Uh, you can do that at our homepage, yourstories.podbean.com. And if you've got any feedback, we would love to hear it. So please feel free to drop us a line on Facebook. Uh, just search Nerdalogs to find our page. Uh, and enjoy this episode. Um, so, actually, this next song that we're going to play is, weirdly enough, um, the first time I ever went back to where I grew up and played a show. It was just an open mic, no big deal. But this was the first song that I played. So it's kind of cool synchronicity, even though it was Dwight's choice, but it's a great song. Shall we? Alright. <laughs> times have changed, the times are strange. Here I come, but I ain't the same. Mama, I'm coming home. Time's gone by, seems to be You could have been a better friend to me Mama, I'm coming home You took me in and you drove me out Yeah, you had me hypnotized, yeah Lost and found and turned around By the fire in your eyes You made me cry, you told me lies can't seem to say goodbye Mama, I'm coming home 
I could be right, I could be wrong It hurts so bad, it's been so long Mama, I'm coming home Selfish love, yeah, we're both alone The ride before the fall, yeah I'm gonna take this heart of stone I just got to have it all I've seen your face a hundred times Every day we've been apart I don't care about the sunshine, yeah Cause mama, mama taste but uh, so cool. um, uh, with no further ado uh, DePaul radio DJ Shelby Mongan I have visual aids which is shitty for a podcast <laughs> okay sorry Dwight I like standing okay this is also really funny because I don't know about <laughs> <laughs> shit I didn't think of that <laughs> um this is kind of funny because um, a lot of you don't know me, um, and you might judge me after this. I hope to God you won't. We'll see. Who knows? So, one of the things I think that's really interesting talking about going home is that a lot of time the place that we go home to is somewhere that we love, somewhere that brings us comfort, brings us joy. Um, and for me, one of the places that I am most at home is a place that reminds me of a time in which I was miserable. Which I think is hilarious, so I'm going to talk about that today. Okay, this is like the part I've been nervous about for a week. I have a picture of me when I was 12. <laughs> I stand behind this picture, sort of. Um, and I'm just going to show it to you and explain what's happening. So this is a picture of me with my freshly bleached hair in the front. It was blue. I wrote lyrics on the mirror and took a picture in them. 
<laughs> and then I put it on my Zanga. <laughs> out of this picture is hilarious because I'm like perched on our kitchen or like our bathroom sink and I'm like leaning in the mirror trying to take it it was awful <laughs> I talked to my mom about that time recently and she had to laugh and said I don't know how I deal with or dealt with you which is funny um, and at that time I listened to bands that looked like this <laughs> and like this <laughs> like this I had this poster in my room <laughs> and like this <laughs> good time. It's a good time. I was a mini wannabe punk. I loved bands that were dripping with eyeliner, that wrote lyrics, that waffled between sappy things about a girl that they loved and prepubescent fuck you to communities that they knew nothing about. I loved them. I shopped at Hot Topic. I loved wearing black nail polish. To me, this was a community that spoke to me which is strange. Um, and I bring this up because recently I was doing dishes and I put on music and I was listening to Yellow Card. <laughs> I was so happy. I love that band. And I was thinking about why I love them. And it wasn't just because it's fun to dance around my kitchen and scream Ocean Avenue. It's also because it reminds me of feeling at home. But that takes me back to a time, that time, the blue hair and lyrics on the mirror time, where I wasn't very happy. I was actually pretty dramatically unhappy. I was a very, very smart kid, a fairly awkward, pudgy, and too outgoing kid uh, in a middle school where I graduated with 46 other people. I did not fit in. Uh, I was fairly well-liked, but I never felt like I belonged there. I wasn't girly enough. I wasn't funny enough. I wasn't athletic enough. I was too tall, which looking at me now is confusing, but I was too tall at the time. <laughs> All of these different ways that I didn't fit in. And the first time that I stumbled on the band Good Charlotte, which is a dreadful <laughs> Yes, please laugh. They're horrible. But they were from Maryland, and damn it, I loved them. And the first time that I heard them, there was something in that I identified with, something that I got. And I'm not a punk. Like, I think it's funny, because I never went to punk shows. I was scared of punk shows. I was pretty sure they were going to yell at me. <laughs> I still shopped at Old Navy, so I probably, I felt like I wasn't going to fit in there. I, I didn't get a part of this movement. I couldn't make music. Um, I had a Zenga, but that was just minor angst. It was nothing interesting or creative or developing to the movement. I wasn't in that group. But I still loved the music because something about not fitting in and not understanding and not being a part of something. And they sang about that and I got that and I understood it and I loved it. Um, and so it made sense for me at the time. But now, years later, much more secure in who I am, much more sure of who I am, wearing a lot less black nail polish um, and a lot less shirts from Hot Topic. I still love this music and I still love thinking about this time. And I was trying to kind of, I was racking my brain and reflecting about what it was that I loved. And what I've stumbled on and what it reminds me of and why I love it so much is it reminds me that I'm still that kid. Like, I'm still that kid. I am trying to fit into a different group, and there are still groups that I don't fit into. But I'm still that kid. And it's very humbling to remember that you're still weird and awkward, and some people don't like you, and sometimes you like stuff that's weird and not good, but you love it and you like it, um, and you care about it a lot. It's a reminder of who I was, but it's a reminder of who I still am. So yes, it's a little painful, and yes, we all laugh when I say good Charlotte. I laugh too. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I'm really thankful for that humbling reminder. Thank you. I'm gonna I'm gonna attempt to defend uh, "Welcome to the Black Parade" by My Chemical Romance. <laughs> okay, and thank you. And here's why: that album is like if Pink Floyd and Meatloaf fucked and had a baby. It is like it's this. An awesome Queen album. It is, yeah. It's just like it's this wonderfully bombastic and somewhat stupid concept album, and it's great. It's like unabashed awesome rock and roll, and I really think Black Parade is a great record. So and they perform I, it in character too. Yeah. I saw it. Nice! <laughs> there you go. Also, My Chemical Romance super tight with Grant Morrison, who, other than Bruce yeah. Springsteen, is my homeboy. So, mm -hmm. let's, yeah. let's watch what we say about My Chemical Romance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Alright. Jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Got it! Yeah, You're a jerk. <laughs> Alright, uh, Sarah Sheever's coming up next. Another violist, uh, a writer. And a wonderful storyteller. I should sit in this one, right? You yes. sit wherever you want to sit. What Where was that positive attitude when I wanted? <laughs> Shut your mouth, Maura. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not do this right now. <laughs> Let's not do this I'm going to go ahead and apologize in advance if this makes no sense. Um, I wrote it earlier this afternoon. I haven't really read through it much since. So just in case, sorry. All right. Now, I think I'm probably not going to pronounce this guy's name right because I've only ever seen it. I've never heard it. So Harvard professor, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Probably not. But um, one of the concepts that critical theorist Dr. Homi Baba is known for discussing is that of unhomeliness or the idea of being unhomed. The definition of unhomeliness basically amounts to a situation where any barrier that might have existed between our private and public lives is just destroyed, leaving the unhomed individual vulnerable to the influence of external forces. And you can see this most often applied to study of colonization or immigration, um, but it can pop up anywhere at any time and it can apply to a lot of different situations. What I take away from this idea mostly is that with no secure sort of home retreat for us where we are able to both preserve and develop our sense of self, we end up being melted down and sort of meshed together with the most insistent bits and pieces of the outside world that would have us surrender to their greater vision of who and what we ought to be. So it's not much of a secret that people in the U.S. Um, generally don't maintain the healthiest of work-life balances. This has been getting better in recent years, but it's something that's been around for a while. And a friend that was visiting from Germany pointed this out to me best back in high school when she observed that back in Germany, people tended to work in order to live. But here it seemed like people lived to work, that work was the focal point of their lives and everything else kind of fit in around the sides. And every family or community is going to be different, but in my case, she was not wrong at all. And I didn't even realize it at the time. I was in high school. I was like, careers, what's that? <laughs> um, but I don't think it has been intentional, but there's always been a strong emphasis on work and career in my family in particular. When I was looking at schools, for example, for going to college, the general mood of research and visits wasn't that I was looking for the place that I most wanted to go. My parents would say, well, where are you just going to get a degree that will get you a job? 
And later, like if there was somewhere I wanted to volunteer, the first question would always be, well, do you think this could turn into a job for you? A lot of times, being volunteer work, the answer is no. <laughs> um, I will say that I did manage to get a degree in English language and lit without any outside complaint, which is great. There's an entire song from Avenue Q about <laughs> what are you supposed to do with that. Um, and that definitely did come up. Um, family, neighbors, strangers, all. <laughs> when they find out that you're not going to be a teacher, but you got a degree in English, they will say, well, then why did you get that degree? So what else are you going to do with that? Family members seem to want to be able to tell their friends something concrete about your accomplishments, like Sarah's going to be a doctor, Sarah's going to be a lawyer, a professor, not Sarah's having an awesome time. <laughs> <laughs> while she redefines her understanding of the Regency and figures out feminism and Marxism in Jane Austen. <laughs> that doesn't come up much over tea. Um, so by the time graduation came around, uh, spending the time studying what I wanted, but also constantly having this background, I said, what are you going to do? How does this translate to a job? I ended up really just having no idea what I was going to do, no idea what I wanted to do, and it seemed like I had even less of an idea of who I was than when I had arrived at my dorm room four years earlier. It didn't help that I'd had a couple complications that pretty negatively impacted my ability to do any decent sort of career opportunity hunting. And when I came back home, I couldn't have felt like I belonged anywhere less. This is by no means a monumental revelation, but I'm going to say it all the same. Trying to define yourself by the job you have or the career that you want is a terrible idea. It doesn't really translate to a true sense of self-worth. And after spending a lot of time in this sort of mindset without even realizing it, I figured out that trying to define yourself either by the job that you have or the career that you want instead of letting your own interests and passions drive what you do with your life that all I was really doing was letting the faceless and unrelenting machine of the corporate public tear open my heart and rearrange the geography of my soul. <laughs> I realize these are strong words, but it's actually pretty true. Before I even noticed that anything was amiss, between a succession of cover letters and applications for more than a few places I couldn't have cared less about, my sense of self ended up getting melted down and meshed together with bits and pieces of rejection letters, job descriptions, and a few part-time gigs that happened to roll my way and ranked at varying levels of terrible. <laughs> my favorite of these had to be working as a substitute for a kindergarten class where I was warned within the first 10 minutes that the kids were going to be extra rowdy because it was a full moon. I was substitute teaching for werewolves. <laughs> and for some reason, I had subconsciously opened the door to the notion of being that was being foisted upon me by outside voices that life after college really only began with a job, and I just had to keep chasing jobs. Basically, I had allowed this unhoming process to occur without even noticing it. I'm happy to say that I did manage to snap out of it. It was a slow climb, uh, kind of gradual, kind of like um, when you wake up after one of those crazy afternoon naps where you had a dream you were teaming up with Link to save the world from Lego spiders and like airborne kayaks, right? <laughs> you wake up and you have no idea where you are, but you kind of 
eventually see that's my couch, that's my table. Okay. Um, it was long overdue, but with every hunted down volunteer or fun writing opportunity, solitary hike, viola practice session, and class taken with no thought towards how it might impact my career prospects, I was finally able to extricate my sense of self and self-worth from the web of outside expectations and reclaiming it for my own. So in a way, I say that that was just like coming home. Uh, guys, speaking of werewolves, remember, Nerdalog's Werewolf Game Night, Sunday, Yay! September 30th. <laughs> Thanks for the plug, Sarah. Um, <laughs> Sawyer Heppy, podcaster of OC Dweeb. Woo! He, he interviewed me once, and uh, it, 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 got, it got sexy and like, yeah, kind of sexual. Yeah, it was... Oh man, it was all. You hired that sax player, which I thought was really weird. Yeah, but... I, the weird thing is I didn't. I think that was just <laughs> all part of the magic. So, which, funny enough, the guest we had on today um, is doing this thing called Art on Track this uh, Saturday. That's really cool, where they're actually like redecorating an entire CTA car with like art, like wall to wall, and it's performance art. It's just it's an awesome shit show. And through that guy, he had a friend we met having drinks who makes robots and like robot arms and stuff like, all right, yeah, you're coming on the show too. So it's just like happy accident. Uh, before I start real quick, uh, I thought of you today, Eric, when I was over uh, in the studio. Uh, I saw a flash taco and I wonder if there's actually like a reverse flash taco that's in the works that's trying to destroy it. And thank you guys for doing your homework. So, all right. You still know who he is. Yeah. yeah. Dwight. Yeah. Good man. He's good just man. yellow flash, right? Yeah. He's not just yellow. Yeah. <laughs> He's a PhD in zooming. Come on. Um, Dr. Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so since a lot of people have shared some embarrassing secrets about them, um, I have one that actually very much pertains uh, to uh, homecoming. This is one of those things where the second it was proposed, like, yep, I know what I'm going to talk about. Um, I, as a child, aside from my love of Batman, I have a weird, weird obsession with The Wizard of Oz. I love The Wizard of Oz's kids. Um, in regards to our, our action figure collector, I have the entire Wizard of Oz action figure set. <laughs> They're not only referred to as action figures, especially when it's the Wizard of Oz, even Glenda, because you got to complete the set. Um, but I, I love that. And, you know, I always grew up loving fiction and fantasy and that, that, that sense of getting away. And um, Dorothy, um, who which developed my major crush on Judy Garland for a long time, sings about that, that place somewhere over the rainbow. Well, it also, I think, explains why I have an affinity for Alison Brie, too. Um, <laughs> but um, she sings about that place somewhere over the rainbow. And finally, she's, like, transported this magical world. And she, like, loves it. But then, the whole time, what is she trying to do? She's finally gone to that place that she wanted to go. What does she want to do the entire time? Get back home. And it's weird, because all of us have that sense of distancing. Um, from our families, maybe even a little bit, sometimes a lot. Um, home for me is back in Ashburn, Virginia. That is where I grew up. That is always that place I return to. It's weird now when I come home to visit because that is my home. You know that feeling when you get coming back from even like a week or two week vacation where your house just feels a little bit different. Like it just feels mildly foreign to you. And then immediately you remember everything you love about it. The smells, um, the, the, the people, just that general feeling. Um, I, uh, you know, originally when homecoming was pronounced, uh, some people talked about, talked about their 
homecoming dances, and that actually hasn't come up today, but um, that I didn't feel registered. But I will say, my senior year of high school was probably my, my favorite year ever, like out of all of education. Like, I enjoyed college a lot, I liked the freedom, but senior year I knew things, that everything made sense to me. It was, I had like a girlfriend, um, I had, you know, I'd gotten into college well early in fall, I was like set, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna become an actor, it's like not a big deal, that's, that's <laughs> what it is, that's how it works. Um, some, some director's gonna be impressed by my moxie, done deal. Um, and... You know, then when I went away to college, it wasn't that that way. But the thing was, it still wasn't a permanent move. Like, there was problems, there was drama, and I actually don't, like, there's very few people I even talk to from college because of all the, like, bullcrap I had to deal with. And the older I got, the closer I got to my family. I stopped distancing myself. I stopped running off to hang out with my friends instead of spending time with them. I loved coming back home and having a cocktail with my parents on the back porch. I love the year I brought my dad's horizon, even just with the, the Sam Adams winter pack, uh, beyond drinking Coronas, because that's what my sister liked. Like, and he's like, they're so expensive. I'm like, you can buy better beers for <laughs> the same price. Um, and that was nice. And most recently, um, I quit my job. Emotionally, mentally, it was a great decision. It was the best decision I ever made. Economically, not so much. But we live in that era, so, you know, whatever. Um, first thing I really wanted to do, because anytime I make a decision that may not be the best decision, I don't know if anybody else does that, I call my parents. Because you, you know that they're going to get mad, but you want them to even kind of lie to you a little bit. Be like, no, you made the right decision, you know? And I, all I wanted to do was just kind of go home. Like, I was happy to have that freedom. I was originally even supposed to have that next day off. But it still felt terrifying to me. There was a sense of freedom when I walked out the door, but after that it didn't last very long, and I knew that feeling wasn't going to last very long. All I wanted to do was run home and and just stay with my parents, have them cook dinner for me, ha not have to worry about a single thing because home was that sense of comfort. And slowly, Chicago, which is Oz, I think, in this metaphor, I just wanted to get back home. I felt like, you know, it was almost like winter fell at a point and it wasn't even that bad, you know what I mean? It's like that's what all Jon Snow talked about was going out there and joining his Uncle Benjamin and being a ranger and he's like, life's gonna be magical and happy from now on. But it wasn't that way and I think it's because we put those expectations. But where I think it switches over to Winterville and it becomes more important is because that was the choice that Jon Snow made. He took his vow. He made his promise. Everyone told him once he joined that it wasn't going to be easy and that it's going to be difficult. But Jon wanted it. And I'm still early on in the books, but I'd like to believe that it gets better. I mean, he starts hunting the undead, like, spoiler alert. And if you don't watch Game of Thrones, that, you know, shouldn't be a spoiler alert. Um, and that's the, that's the beauty of it is. I like now that home is a place I can come and recharge. I like that. But I cannot make it a crutch. Because at one point in time, my parents had to move from where they were. Granted, it wasn't far. It was over the bridge in Maryland into Virginia. But they didn't run back to their parents. I don't see my parents hiding out at, their, at my grandparents' house every time things get hard or difficult. I moved up here because this is where I wanted to be. And now this is what I have to establish as my home. So that way, if I end up somewhere else, I just want to maybe get back to Chicago or whatever that is. So just remember that, that if it feels far away from that safe haven, that maybe it's about developing a new safe haven. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Sawyer. A Nerdalog member is coming up next, Kevin Reeder. Yeah! Woo! So uh, a few weeks ago, um, 
my modem broke at home. And I thought it was my router. A router is not the same as a modem for anybody who doesn't know. Um, the router just spits out more internet, but the modem brings you internet. Yeah. That's what I learned. So I didn't need a router, I needed a modem, and I got a new modem. Um, so I lived without internet for, for about five weeks. Uh, between, yeah, I know, terrible, right? Terrible, right? Between July and August, so like the dog days of summer. Um, but, you know, I, I, uh, I have a job, thankfully, and there's internet at work, and I had a lot of downtime, so I got my internet fix on, guys. Not, don't worry. Uh, but during that time at home in my free time, I read about six books included in that list were awesome books like The Hobbit, uh, the first Harry Potter book. Um, I'm up to number four now, guys. Uh, the Invisible Man, uh, a book called Born to Run, aptly uh, for you, sir. Uh, it was a book about a Tamahamura uh, tribe in Mexico, all about runners, and uh, a couple others that I, I, just, I just can't remember now. Um, but the moment I got my, my, my modem back, I didn't read another book for like two more weeks. <laughs> so let's, all right. So anyways, um, the day that my new modem came back to me at my house, um, I, it wouldn't work for me. So I had to log on to the internet and have somebody from AT&T chat with me online. And if you guys have ever had to set up a modem or any piece of technology, not on your own, you all will understand how very, very frustrating that is. So I sat down with something to eat and tried to amuse myself as best I could. So this is a chunk of that internet conversation that I had with the AT&T uh, operator. So Steve, if you'll be system. Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Steve. Uh, Chris will be, uh, what, what is Trista? Trista, and uh, Eric, if you'll be Glenn. I will for be Glenn. Me. Great, so <laughs> thank you so much. Um, here we go. Welcome, Kevin Reader. Connecting to server. Please wait. <laughs> Connection with server established. Technical support topic. Home networking. Glenn has joined this session. <laughs> Connected with Glenn. Thank you for contacting AT&T. My name is Glenn. Hey, Glenn. How you doing tonight? I see that I'm chatting with Mr. Kevin Reader, and you provided 815, nope, etc. as the number associated <laughs> with your DSL account. <laughs> <laughs> For the purposes of this podcast, let's leave out any uh, crucial information. It's All in right. the script, bro. It is in the script. Let's leave it out. I'm trusting you guys to self-edit. I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you guys. Too. I don't think revealing that you're, you're the 815 area code is going to blow too many brains. No, no, no. That's, we'll, be, we'll be all right with that one. So. All right, so can you give me, am I correct? Uh, am I correct? That's right. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for that information. I'm just eating some pasta and setting up my new modem. I like pasta, too. <laughs> good, good. Uh, this is a whole wheat pasta topped with a lovely soft cheese. Kind of like Havarti. I'm digging it. I'm starving. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am unable to pull your account using the number you gave me. May I know from which state are you in? That's how it was read. <laughs> uh, sure, I'm from Illinois. Uh, how about I give you my account number? Thank it, you. <laughs> 
Well, uh, you need to tell AT&T that you need a break, and you need to run out and get yourself something to eat. <laughs> then tell them a loyal customer of four years demanded it. I'm right, because I'm the customer. It's a, fool, it's a foolproof idea, Glenn. Thanks for the concern. Actually, you have reached the DSL chat technical support group in the nine-state southeast region. What I can do to help is to transfer you to the southwest region, or 13 state, including Illinois, and provide their website and voice contact information. Great, awesome. Before I transfer you to them, here's the website and telephone, con telephone contact information. You may contact them via the website or voice support 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here's support the website. website, voice support number. Thank you for choosing AT&T. I'm transferring you over to 13 state chat support now. Please retain the chat connection. Uh, just a brief interlude here. Uh, apparently, Illinois is in the southwest region of AT&T. <laughs> just so we're all clear. All right. Just looking out for you, Glenn. Thanks for passing me along. You are welcome. It's been about an hour now, by the way. <laughs> oh, Please no. hold on. You are being transferred to another queue. Please stand by. Glenn has left this session. Oh, Trista has joined this session. <laughs> Connected with Trista. Thank you for contacting AT&T Internet Services. My name is Trista. Trista, it's lovely chatting with you this fine, fine evening. It's my pleasure. As I was telling Glenn, I'm just sitting down to a bowl of pasta and I'm setting up my new modem. I will help you in setting up the modem. <laughs> <laughs> he is very Trista right now. He's nailing this. Well, well, good for me. I see that I am chatting with Kevin Reader. You provided this number as the number associated with your DSL dial account. Am I correct? Yes, you're right. However, here's my account number. Okay. I think you'll find that more than helpful. Let me pull up your, your records using the number you have provided. You betcha. Thank you for confirming the details. In case we get disconnected or for future reference, please save direct chat URL. This thing. I'm all over it. I believe you are getting AT&T installer page, which prompts for the member information like username and password. Yes, I'm unsure of what my password is for that page. We will work together to resolve the issue. <laughs> Kevin, please let me know the name of the modem router that you are using. Teamwork, Trista. It's all about teamwork. Right. <laughs> the SSID number on the modem is ATT2965. Yep. 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 Okay. Yeah, they can know that. <laughs> <laughs> Is it West LB90 or Pace411N? It's a Westwell. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> the place I'm getting caught up is when I'm asked to type in my AT&T member ID and password. I'm fairly certain that my ID is boo. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> we need to update the email address in DSL network, which is different from the email password, on the modem in order to connect to the internet. I'm just not sure what my password is. Gotcha. Do you like lolcats? I will provide the DSL. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting very bored. <laughs> I will provide the DSL password to update the modem. In order to provide you the DSL password, I need to verify the security questions on your account. They're just photos of cats with captions under them. <laughs> I didn't think you were a lolcat. I was just curious if you liked them. <laughs> you can ask me any questions you want. As long as there aren't any riddles. I'm not very good at those. Uh, I actually typed T-H-S-E, and then I put a little star and wrote those. <laughs> and I didn't want to look like an idiot in front of Tristan. <laughs> I understand. They're just photos of cats with caps. Oh, I, yeah, we brewed that. Okay. Who was your favorite singer? Oh, boy, that's personal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not really into pop songs all that much. No, this was the security question set up by you. <laughs> 
But I think I would have answered that question three years ago when I set this up with a little indie emo band from Boston named Piebald. No Piebald fans, apparently. Uh, they're no longer a band, which is sad, but you know, sometimes you have to move on to bigger and better things. Or different things. Thank you for verification. <laughs> but they had a good run together. They saw the world, played some awesome shows, meant a lot to a lot of people. So I'm proud of them. As proud as some dude from Illinois can be of a, of a band from Boston. Please close all other windows except this chat session. I will provide a link for modem where we need to update the information. They're all closed. Thank you. Please access the following link on a new window. Here's the link. Okay, I opened a new window and everything looks good. Where to now, teammate? This is where it drolled on and on and on for a while, so I'm going to spare you guys all those nitty-gritty details. But I got my modem set up, and now I'm on the fourth Harry Potter book. So. <laughs> and, and you have two new friends. And I have two, two new, new friends. Two new friends. And there you go. Glenn and Tristan. All right, guys, we are in the home stretch. We have one speaker left with two stories. Are you going to... Um, are you going to take care of the yeah. transition? Okay. In that case, Nerdalog member is Steve Persh, also known everybody. as System, everybody. <laughs> so, uh, the theme of coming home, I also thought about leaving home. I grew up in one house from the time I was born until uh, leaving for college. I lived on 57th and Lloyd in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So that still very much feels like home for me. One house, my mom grew up literally across the street. <laughs> that, that corner is absolutely home for me. And as I was a senior in high school, getting ready for college, applying, you know, some places on the East Coast, some places in the Midwest, I knew I'd be leaving home really for the first time and for a good chunk of time. I knew I wasn't going to be one of those people who comes back home every weekend, every two weekends. I was like, I'll probably be gone until Thanksgiving. So I want to make sure that that last summer is, uh, is really meaningful. So one of the things on my radar for picking schools, aside from how far away is it, do they have a good program, will I be able to attend the Harley-Davidson 100th anniversary <laughs> rally? Uh, <laughs> which was Labor Day weekend, uh, 2003, right before I was going into college. So uh, I was really happy that I picked a school that was on a quarter system and didn't start until the end of September. <laughs> because it meant that I could attend the Harley-Davidson 100th anniversary rally. Uh, so the connection to Harley for me is that my grandfather worked his entire life there uh, from the time he, I think, dropped out of high school uh, until the time he retired at 65. He, he worked at Harley-Davidson. So it's very much in, in my family's history. Um, even though there, there aren't a ton of family members riding anymore. So... Uh, as an 18-year-old, I, I had this, this mindset of preparing to leave, going to college, and the, the rally was so enjoyable. I, I highly recommend getting around uh, a quarter of a million motorcycles at some point, if you can. Um, so, so I had this, this image as well of, of future rallies. I didn't own a motorcycle at the time, but I knew I wanted to at some point in the future. So I started thinking... You know, what will I be like in, in 10 years from now? I'm sure they'll have a, a big 110th anniversary rally, and that, that'll probably be really exciting. I'll want to own a motorcycle at that time. So I was, you know, sort of planning ahead. You know, Nerdalogs was recently um, thinking ahead as a group. Where do we want to be a year from right now? What do we want to be doing performance-wise? What do we want to be doing on the Internet? And, you know, thinking ahead. So uh, I realized that 100. 10th anniversary is about a year from now. It'll be Labor Day weekend next year. 
So I've, I've already put in a vacation request for, <laughs> for the week leading up uh, to that rally. And it does not take a week to get from Chicago to Milwaukee. Um, but you know, I'm still planning ahead. Um, I, I started putting together the gear that, that I'll need. Um, does anyone have suggestions for like what's kind of, where should I go for that, for that week? Um, I was thinking, think of going down to um, maybe uh, the Gulf of Mexico because I, I went there once in college, you know, the Gulf side of Florida, and that, that was really enjoyable. So seriously, I'm taking suggestions. <laughs> Is there a place that I can go from Chicago, get to, and then get to Milwaukee in a week? That, that you think would, would be fun. New Orleans. New Orleans. New Orleans. Yeah. New or oh, Easy Rider. Yeah. That was, that was the destination in Easy Riders. <laughs> that, that would be fun. <laughs> um, uh, I was also thinking about doing a route um, up through Canada. I, I got on Google Maps recently um, <laughs> and uh, I started plotting. <laughs> It'll probably be cold <laughs> if I go up to Canada. Um, so there, there's a route that I started uh, plotting through, um, through Madison, uh, <laughs> Twin Cities, International Falls, and up around um, Lake Superior. Uh, yeah, and then come down through the UP, through, uh, through Michigan, and then I think I could do that in a week. Uh, <laughs> See, this will not translate at all. <laughs> That's what Kevin is doing right now. Excellent. All right. It's going to be a, a great, great video podcast. Um, so, you know, I, as I've said before, people are generally surprised when, when I say that I, I own a motorcycle. And uh, I've got, as you can see, a lot of the gear. But there's one jacket that I, I don't pull out very often. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, Worn, I've only worn this jacket once <laughs> while riding. But I mean, come on, if I'm going to the 110th anniversary rally, it seems like, you know, this is just, this is just what that should be. Uh, exactly. You may recognize this as the bootcut jacket from that show we did recently. Uh, so yeah, thinking ahead to a year from now, you know, I'll, I'll be 10 years removed from... Um, from that, that high school, getting, getting ready to go away from home from the first time. And I, I was trying to think, what, what goals did I really have for myself as, as an 18-year-old? You know, where did I really want to be um, you know, 10 years removed from, from the 18-year-old who lived his whole life uh, in, that, in that one place? And uh, I started thinking, I don't think I had... I don't think I knew what job I wanted. I don't think I knew, you know, I don't think I planned to be married by 28. What, what did I actually want? And, and I, I realized that I just had this image of myself riding back to Milwaukee on a motorcycle. <laughs> and I knew, I knew I wanted some, you know, some kind of stability. I knew I wanted uh, a steady job. I knew I wanted independence and I think I'm getting there. I think, you know, I think at this point in my life, I can say, uh, I've, I've got a steady job. I've got the kind of freedom that I want to do things like this. I can perform at the Nerdalogs. And, you know, overall, I think I can look in the mirror and say to that 18-year-old, you're doing all right. <laughs> <laughs>
because Caitlin Costello asked me to read this story for her and I thought it'd be funny if I did it <laughs> this. We should set up Caitlin uh, is, or yes. is that part of the... So Caitlin Costello uh, is a Nerdalogs member. This is too ridiculous. So Caitlin Costello was a founding member of the Nerdalogs and uh, has been on uh, a Second City cruise uh, performing uh, improv and sketch comedy with, with Second City. So she's about to come back to Chicago and she emailed the group and asked if someone could, could read this for her. Uh, so Caitlin Costello. In two weeks, I'll be home. In more ways than ever before, I'm coming home. I've always considered Chicago home. London and New York couldn't keep me. But this time, after 19 weeks of living on a cruise ship, I'll be coming home to a Chicago condominium. Mortgage, association fees, insurance bills, and no job. I'll be living with my boyfriend, who is quitting his job. <laughs> Bring it on. Like Hedwig stuck in East Berlin. I don't want to... I don't want to be stuck before the origin of love. We're cutting off our own dicks. But what remains is a mighty angry inch. <laughs> Your move, life. Thank you very much, Steve Persh and Caitlin Costello, the first remote nerdalogue that I am aware of. Dwight, come on back up here, buddy. Thank you all so much for coming. We love doing this. And uh, we're going to do a few more songs about home. This one is dedicated to the man who helped watch my dog this weekend, the lovely Chris Geiger. Die, am I your man? <laughs> Sing along if you know the words. Big wheels keep on turning. Singing so 
Sean, I'm trusting your equipment now more than ever. <laughs> um, of course, we don't fucking live in Alabama. Where do we live, you guys? Chicago! What? No, Chicago! That's right. Same old place, sweet home, 
to that same old place, sweet home, Chicago. Ladies and gentlemen, Eric Sponsored by the Chicago Sketch Comedy Troupe, The Nerdalogs, and is recorded the third Sunday of every month at the Upstairs Gallery in Chicago, 6219 North Clark Street. The stories you hear have been prepared and presented by the speakers on a volunteer basis. Your Stories is recorded and co-produced by Sean Patrick Boyle. Our theme song comes from the band's t-shirt. For more information on The Nerdalogs, Your Stories, and more, go to www.nerdalogs.com.